We're here with another episode of Hear the Spear, presented by Noel Game Day. I'm Ryan Stalder, accompanied by my co-host Ethan Vaughn. We're excited to get into Florida week and talk about some coaching rumors and uh, the perception of current programs in the state of Florida. So what's going on, Ethan? How you doing today? Not a whole lot, my man. It's uh, great to be here during the uh, so-called crazy season um, all around college football. So it's going to be interesting to kind of dive into to some of the uh, topics we are looking to get into today. Are you ready to get some food in you tomorrow? Oh yeah, I already got a early start today. Had a had a little uh, pre Thanksgiving lunch with uh, all the normal Thanksgiving foods. It was good. I can't wait to get some more tomorrow. All right, what's your favorite Thanksgiving food and then Thanksgiving dessert? Ooh, um, that's a tough one. I'll I'll go first. Give you an idea. All right, all right. Give me a second, think. All right, so I got honey baked ham as as favorite food, and then I'm rolling with key lime pie as favorite dessert. Okay, well then uh, I'll go with uh, probably stuffing and turkey as my my top two entrees, and then okay, um, I'll go with uh, I don't even know. I'm not I'm not much of a like a like a Thanksgiving dessert are you, guy. Are you a pie guy or not at all? And I'm I like key lime pie, but um, yeah, I don't key lime pie is fire in 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 moderation. Like I can't eat all the time, but like once once a year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had peanut butter pie, but uh, oh yeah, dude, I just made a whole one. Oh, that bro, my mom makes me peanut butter pie. <laughs> yeah, there we go, there we go. That's what I'm saying. That, that's bro, probably my favorite. I just ate a whole one. I just got home from for school from this week. I just ate a whole one already. That's what I'm telling you. It's, it's, it's some good stuff. If you haven't had it, put chocolate as like the crust. Yep. Oh my god, we got the same recipe, bro. bro all right. All right, I let's recommend get it to this, all bro. the listeners out there. Yes, yeah, y'all put crunch up some like Oreos or how whatever like chocolate you want. So so it's like crust, like crunchy. Bake that as a crust, and then you put like like whipped like peanut butter, like chocolatey like cream as the peanut butter pie. It's fire. Anyways, all right, let's get into this. Our first segment, our favorite segment, overreaction or accurate. You can read the first one off, Ethan. All right, let's go with uh, as the first one. This FSU-Florida matchup will significantly affect recruits' perception of the two programs, overreaction or accurate. I say that it's an overreaction because I think if if I'm Florida's coach, whoever whoever it may be, and I'm recruiting, after this game, I'm saying if Florida loses, I'm saying, oh, well, we weren't – like the new staff wasn't there. Like it's irrelevant. And what they're, they're talking about change and all the changes they're going to make, and it's an exciting time to join the program and all that stuff – they're not going to reference a game that really doesn't matter as far as they weren't there to coach it. Um, and then Florida State, uh, it's just, I guess, it doesn't change much just because you've already beat Florida. Like, that's already a part of your message is that you're the, you've beat Florida every year and all that. So it's not like a new thing to sell. So I just don't think it has that much of an effect, to be honest. Okay, here's what here's what I'll say. I'll say it... it- to me, it's kind of both, and it depends on what perspective you look at it from. To me, it's an overreaction from Florida's perspective. They've got an interim head coach. If they lose this game, especially if it's a close game, it, it, it's you know just chalk it up to not having a full-time coach and kind of some extenuating circumstances. So I don't think it really plays a lot, and Florida will, uh, when they get into recruiting these kids, they'll be able to just go out there and say, look, this is our new coach, this is our new staff. So I don't think it really plays into Florida. But assuming that Jimbo Fisher stays at, at Florida State, I, I, to me it does have a, a decent impact because, look, Florida State is having a rough year. Um, 
they've been the kings of Florida for, you know, pretty much the last six, seven years. And, and then this year they've already lost to Miami. And so to me, to kind of save face to a certain extent, especially to get, you know, get bowl eligible, save face to a certain extent in regards to Florida, uh, they, they need to, to win this game just because if they lose to, you know, Miami, Miami, I guess you can excuse because, look, they're number two in the, in the college football playoff rankings. But if you lose to this Florida team, I really think Jimbo starts to find himself on a slippery slope in terms of being able to, to have a solid recruiting base in, in his, you know, his own state because you kind of lose that argument for state supremacy if you're if you're losing to a Florida team that's you know coming into this game at four and what what are they four and six now or four and five yeah four and six. Florida's four and six and they're, they, they, and they're not going to make up that last game yeah so. they canceled a game that they're not making up so um yeah no I I just think that you you that argument really kind of loses its loses its value if you lose to this this Florida team. So uh, for that reason, I think it's it's accurate when you're looking at it from Florida State's perspective, and, and a little bit of an overreaction when you're looking at it from Florida's perspective. All right, next uh, next question: Overreaction or accurate? The UF coaching job isn't the best open coaching position. That is an overreaction. Uh, Florida is a is a really good coaching. It's a top ten coaching position in college football. And there's there's pretty much no doubt about that. They have location, uh, good fan base, um, lots of money, resources, and and the only about to me the the thing that I guess you could you could really knock on it is is there's quite a bit of pressure on, on the coach, especially now with their last two coaching head coaching hires having failed so spectacularly. So I think there's a lot of pressure. Come for that job, and coaches might be turned off by that, and may opt for some programs that have a little, you know, upside in, in jobs like Tennessee and UCLA, where there might not be as much pressure for success in a conference that already has Georgia on the rise in your own division and Alabama um, on the other side of the bracket. So um, I, I think it's a very good job, and I think there's some reasons that that people might be turned off by it. Um, but but overall, it's it, to me, it's the best job open pretty easily over over the likes of Tennessee and UCLA. I agree. Um, I think an important distinction is like even if Chip Kelly chooses UCLA over Florida, I think that's more of a, a him fit than like a best. It's because it's a better job because UCLA's never had eleven program wins. I don't think like in the history of the program, which is absurd that they can land recruits like Josh Rosen and then that defensive end either last year or two seconds ago. Yeah. The number one player in the country on two, four, seven commits to a team. That's as someone who has been to UCLA though, I will vouch for that campus and that you're not committing to a campus. Yeah. But you can still make it to the league going through UCLA. Yeah. If you want to go six and six, it's true. All right. Um, let's go to the next one. So, Last overreaction or accurate, Jimbo has a better chance of winning a national title at another national title at Texas A&M than Florida State. You know, this is really tough to get into, like, I guess as a Florida State fan, because you really don't want to admit that it's true. But to me, I I don't even know where to go with this, because I, I, I think I'm actually going to Oh man, I don't even know where to go with this. I th- I think it'd be a lot easier for me if you put like a time frame. If you said within the next, I don't know, maybe eight years or something, I'd say 
better shot at Florida State just because Saban is in your own division, and that inherently makes it incredibly hard to even get out of your own division in the SEC. Uh, but the thing is, is, is on, the, on the Florida State side of things, it's so stagnant. Um, I think I'd say that it's an overreaction just because Saban's not in your own division. And I think with, with the right hires and a little bit of a change in philosophy, Jimbo could turn it around. But then again, on the on the flip you side, of change in velocity or philosophy? Philosophy. I thought you said velocity. All right, Honestly, it, it 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 might have slipped out of my mouth. It, it, it's been <laughs> a long said, day. I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure you know what <laughs> what the difference is. As long as you know that. Yeah, I I, I think I got it. But All right, um, good. yeah, no, I, I just think a little bit of change. Like I said, the the right coaching hires can be made. I think that's that's something that that's entirely within the realm of possibility, and mm-hmm. a little bit of change in philosophy. And I think. Jimbo could work his way, or, or could rebuild Florida State. But then on the, you know, on the flip side of that, we haven't seen that yet. So, so it's something that's got to happen. And it's, you know, maybe he is better at kind of coming in and, and changing things like he did at at Florida State in the wake of Bobby Bowden's retirement. And in that case, he might be able to succeed and get lucky one year and kind of find the perfect combination to kind of like Malzahn did early in his ex- career. Exactly, find the perfect combination to go out there and beat. Nick Saban, but I just think because of having Nick Saban in your, in your, um, you know, in your division, I just think it's inherently hard to even get out of your division, much less find yourself in the in the national championship. So I think I, I'd give the edge to Florida State, and that would be an you know uh, overreaction. So I I'd go with that. Yeah, this is interesting because there are a lot of it, it's hard for him to win at Florida State because like rarely do coaches win after their fifth five years or so as head coach. It's just tough to, to, to maintain programs as which is well documented and other basically every coach other than Nick Saban uh, can't really do it. Even Urban Meyer burned out at Florida and um, hasn't won after his first five years at Ohio State either. Uh, but I don't know. Nick Saban being in, in Texas A&M's division is a big one, but also Recruiting in Texas against the five Power Five programs, and that then are, Oklahoma right there too. Yeah, and then Oklahoma, but plus you have Tom Herman there, yeah. who you don't even get to play. So it's not even about well, if you beat him on the field, you can beat him out for recruits. He, it's just basically who the better recruiter is, and Texas is a huge brand name program. So I, I don't know, but I, I also don't think he has a great shot of winning one FSU unless he makes some really good hires. Uh, so it's a toss up. I'll say that it's an overreaction. I'll agree with you just because I think, like you said, at the end of the day, the Nick Saban thing is a bit much to overcome. I, and the thing is, I think it's like a razor thin margin. It was really tough for me to make that call. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. Cause I don't, I think it's unlikely he wins one either. I agree. Yeah. I, I just think, yeah, I think it would take him changing quite a bit and he hasn't really proven that he's much of a. Exactly. Much of an ad- you know, someone who's adapting and changing on a consistent basis. I like to point out that I think it's pretty crazy that we're talking about like the possibility of like basically never FSU never going back to another championship over Jimbo when we were preseason ranked number three at the beginning of this year, and like everybody had like playoff or bust. And the thing to me is, it's even weirder. You know, I I think I could get get over his you know, the, the results on the field this year and chalk them up to some extenuating circumstances and, and a bad defensive coordinator. But it, just Jimbo's mannerisms, you know, the, the way he the way he talks and, and just kind of, I don't, I don't even, you know, his, his refusal to change and some of the comments that, he, that he's made have kind of, 
even made this year has has really made that more of a question in my mind than it would have been if he'd have just went six and or whatever he's going to go this year, maybe six and six. So, so I, I think it, it's been compounded by some by some of this off the field stuff. I have another question at this at this point in Jimbo Fisher or at this point in FSU season. Uh, we're recording this Wednesday night, so the night before Thanksgiving. Um, with all that's happened, do you think it's more likely that he stays or goes? And maybe not necessarily to A and M, but A and M or whatever other Auburn, jobs Auburn might come up. the other one that's kind of been rumored. Yeah. I, I, to me, if you really like, we can talk about it and go. I guess go in depth. But if if you got pros and cons, and you really write down the you know the pros and cons for Jimbo staying. The list of, of the pros for him staying at Florida State seemed to be quite a bit larger than the cons because you you think about it I I you know it's it's hard to speculate into the into his family situation but what what we do know is he's divorced he shares custody with his ex wife and, and and from what I've you know know of those type of situations she if he were to move to Texas or Auburn she she's not obligated to just follow him. You know, it, it it's, makes it a lot tougher to see his kids. It, it, exactly. Let's just run through the cons real quick, and then we can run through the, the pros of, of going as well. Okay, so, so the, the cons of so if he goes to Texas A&M or Auburn, but let's just say Texas A&M because that's where all the rumors are. Um, Texas A&M ha, ha, would pay him more. Or wait, are we going cons first? Yeah, we cons. Go cons. It'd be harder to win. I would say harder to recruit. Um. Harder to win, harder to recruit. Feel free to chime in. Um, harder to win, harder to recruit. You're walking away from forty million guaranteed. But if they guaranteed pay, forty it, million, it, the guaranteed part is the important they, part. Unless they guarantee you more than that, they won't guarantee more than that. I don't think. But if they pay you eight mil, you make back that forty mil in five years as opposed to eight. So if you if you were to make that move, you just to make it a wash, you just have to last five years at A and M, which I think most he's confident. Did, yeah, yeah he's confident that he'd be able to last five years at A and M. So if they the, pay him that much, then I, I think the money thing kind of becomes a wash. Okay, and what are the pros of him leaving? The pros, to me, um, there's a there's a fresh start. First off, how uh, is that a pro? So like, he gets to kind of mold a pro mold another program. He doesn't have to rescue the culture that's kind of seeped its way into Florida State. It's easier to come in and create a, a new you know, a new culture than it is to re like revive one within a program. The thing is the thing is that I look at it is either way he'll be a new uh, at, like with an entirely new staff, which ultimately those are the people that are coaching the players. Like Agreed. But you already have but. you already have players within Florida State's program that have kind of been indoctrinated into the current culture. I agree, but I don't think any of them like think think low uh, lowly of Jimbo. Like I think all of them like respect Jimbo. I think it's more so like I, I think respect, there are a some certain some group, don't respect their position coaches. I think there are a certain group of of players that that are kind of frustrated with the current, and you you know it might be more it, it might be more pointed at their position coaches but i think i i've you know the i've heard rumblings from from people that have said that there's people that are a little bit frustrated with the current you know playing time especially in a lost season maybe some young guys should be getting a little bit more playing time than they are you know like for example wide receiver there's a guy you know there's walk-ons getting burned 
before guys like DJ Matthews are, and that's just in a lost season. I just don't agree with that. But um, to me, the other thing is here's one thing that's kind of, um, I guess, interesting or, or an interesting aspect to me. Usually, the the quarterback recruiting classes are are a lot stronger in Texas than they are in Florida. Florida is not really known for the quarterbacks. Yeah, known known more so for not having quarterbacks. Exactly. So in, in when Jimbo being so quarterback, you know, he's a quarterbacks guy, quarterbacks coach. His offense is pretty quarterback dependent. It might be easier for him to recruit an elite type quarterback to run his offense in Texas A and M because at Florida State to get those kind of guys, uh, you know, the Malik Henrys, the Jameis Winstons, uh, you know, the the EJ Manuels of the world, you have to go out there and win national recruiting battles for these guys. Now, I'm not saying the top guys in Texas don't, the top quarterbacks in Texas don't, you know, you don't face national recruiting battles for them. But at but, least you have the in-state advantage. Exactly, you have the in-state advantage. So I think that's kind of like a, I don't know, a little wild card. I don't know well, how much that can, would actually play. We can play go through it. Decision. So, so obviously EJ Manuels from Virginia Beach. Yep. So you had to beat out program like Virginia Tech. Um, uh, James Winston, Alabama. yeah, Alabama. So you have to beat out obviously programs like Alabama and Auburn. Um, Malik Henry from California. You had to beat out USC, UCLA, Stanford. Um, let's see. Francois is from Florida. Blackman's from Florida. Hawkman's from Georgia. But those recruits weren't as highly touted. Francois was up there, but, you know. Uh, but to me, the biggest have... thing is is that when, when you have to – I mean, this isn't really a pro and con of Texas A&M, but you, when you have to win re- national recruiting battles to get elite quarterbacks, you know, when, when Jimbo's offense is so heavily reliant on having an elite quarterback to, to really work the way it's supposed to work, it becomes a lot harder. Uh, this is another, I guess you can tie this back into kind of rebuilding. If you, It becomes a lot harder to sell an elite quarterback to come to your program when you're rebuilding or trying to kind of rebuild than it is you know, when you come into a new program and have that new program excitement because that just really doesn't exist at Florida State right now. So I, I think that's another aspect of trying to rebuild a current program is, is Jimbo is going to need to sign an elite quarterback at some point in time to really get back on top. And, and we, we just haven't yet seen that since the last one they signed was Henry, was, was the truly elite prospect was, was Henry, which wasn't that long ago. But we haven't, seen exa- we haven't exactly seen a positive trend in quarterback recruiting over the last couple cycles. I agree. Speaking of quarterback, do you want to talk about uh, how DeAndre Francois didn't show up to the FSU versus Delaware State game and didn't even watch it as people were able to discern from his Snapchat story. Yeah, we can get into that. I, I think we should just preface it by kind of explaining the situation. I think most people out there know it, but just before we get into really discussing it, basically he, he wasn't at the game. He was in his hometown of Orlando hanging out with Devontae Phillips, not watching the game. Um, it looked like he was at a Waffle House. People saw it on his Snapchat. Um, after the game, or, or a couple days later, uh, the media asked Jimbo about this, um, you know, kind of why he wasn't there. And Jimbo, pretty, pretty, like, I think in, in like two words, he just said like player discretion. So it wasn't, you know, he just explained that their policy apparently is that it's it's the player's choice whether or not to be there for these games when they're hurt. You know, you know, what do you what do you think? Like, I, I think there's there's been a kind of a a a division in the fan base and and just you know media even about what what Jimbo's comments meant 
Um, some some of the media think, seems to think that he legitimately didn't care that Francois was there, which I I, I, I think he definitely believing. I think he definitely cares as, as long as he's gonna be the future head coach of this program. He he definitely cares. Like I don't even think that's a question. Exactly. That, that's I what guess I, that's I guess if he if he if he plans on leaving, then he wouldn't care because yeah. it doesn't matter to him. But because Francois, if he if he plans on leaving, Francois is basically dead to him. So because he'll never play for another snap for him. So it doesn't matter then. However, if he doesn't plan on leaving, I think he was just trying not to call out Francois, and he just he well, cares. Well, to me, but he's not I, I, say I disagree. Anything. I think, I think he did call out Francois. He could have he could have done something and, and deflected a little bit, maybe. But he flat out just said player discretion. To me, that threw Francois under the bus because that told the media that it was. That <laughs> oh, you're saying he could have made an excuse for him. Yeah, and yeah that makes sense. Jimbo's been well known for maybe not making a wholehearted lie, but at least kind of deflecting some. And and sometimes he does. He's been known to lie. So so you know, it, it, Jimbo's not always straightforward with the media. And in that sense, his straightforward or what he said pretty much threw Francois under the bus. Because I mean, when you're looking there, he's telling you that it was Francois's choice not to be on the sidelines for a, a senior day game. I couldn't. I could never understand that. If you've ever played sports at any level, like even if you're injured, like you only have so many games. Like first of all, if you're the quarterback, like that's your team. I don't even know how you, like you can consider not going. To me, that's the biggest the problem. I, is it's not his team, and that shows it. The only thing I could say is like if he had like a family thing in Orlando or something, like a, like a funeral or something, I could understand that. However, I think Jimbo definitely would have said that, and Francois wouldn't have been at like a convenience store during the game. Exactly, hanging out. With, with, and the other thing, like the other layer to this is like, you're hanging out with literally the one guy, that that would, kind of make that, you know, a little bit more even more sour. I personally don't have a problem with him hanging out with. I don't. I don't Phillips have a problem because I if they're really friends, have, like, like I don't have a problem. If they're with friends, it. like, what's the difference between him hanging out with Phillips and some other kid he's friends with that might not be like them? Like, just because it's I, Phillips, I, look, I don't know. I, if you're friends with him. I don't think I'm not, I don't I'm think not him being suspended. That, I'm not throwing that on, on, on. I understand how that could that could rub people the wrong way. That's but what that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not really, I just could I just couldn't imagine like Jameis or Tim Tebow missing a, a football oh, game God, just because they're that's injured. That's not even in a question. There's, there's right? literally no like that that to me that's the thing that makes this quarterback situation such a horrible horrible deal. Like you've got yeah, Francois. Uh, if you put James Blackman's heart in Francois's body. I then think you could potentially you have, have a good quarterback. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I think it's it's just a huge problem going forward because you have Francois, who, who's not perfect in his own right. He's not a very accurate quarterback, but but he seems to have the mental aspect in terms of X's and O's and, and just being in general a, a little bit more um, well, you know, well-rounded and ready for competition on, on such a high level. Um, but he just doesn't seem to be a good leader in any sense of the word. But then you have James Blackman. Who seems to have that that could, those kind of natural leadership qualities that you'd want in your quarterback, but doesn't not at least not yet have the the on-field talents and capabilities to to match them, and you're kind of in a in a situation where you don't really have a complete quarterback. And to me, also, it's, it's really got me hoping that Hawkman is able to step I, up. I do think it's worth mentioning that Hawkman's uh, leadership personality traits haven't been. Yeah. Held in the highest regard, I agree. By just the people on the team and around the program that we've talked to, Ethan. I, I think it's something that you know people around the program, including myself, are just hoping that you, you know there's something 
different that's gonna gonna happen. Some some somebody steps up, and I I just don't know. I I don't like the situation at quarterback going forward, and this this kind of ordeal hasn't, you know, just just has done nothing but solidify that that sentiment. All right. Well, I say we move into the FSU Florida prediction and just how we think the game will play out because it is rivalry week after all. Um, so what are your initial thoughts on this game, Ethan? Um, other than it's not entirely a game of consequence, like it has been in the past. To me, I, it's a game that Florida state should win, but I'm, you know, just like every game this year, pretty much there's no way to be certain that they will. I think that the game still holds enough in terms of a rivalry game. It still holds enough weight that you'll see the defense perform, which has kind of been something that we've scoffed at and laughed at all year. It seems like the defense comes to play with with consistent effort in the, in these rivalry games, but not necessarily some other games. And so I think that I think you'll get you'll get a good effort out of the defense, and it's all just going to come. It's all going to come down and and really just be on the offense is the offense going to be able to score and I think it's going to be on Cam Akers if Cam Akers has a big day Florida State will win if he's held in check it's going to be tough and and if he's held in check it's going to be a mm -hmm. low scoring game Mm -hmm. I don't think Florida scores uh, more than like 17 points tops Um, their offense is terrible they don't have Muschamp or McElwain excuse me who's arguably the only offensive guy in that staff who knows what he's doing, uh, whether he actually does or not, I'm not sure. But the offensive coordinator, Ness Meyer, has been under scrutiny since the first game he coached there as to not being able to generate points uh, schematically or play-calling-wise. So I just don't think their offense is going to score uh, enough points to win. However, I do think the way Florida wins is – you get a meltdown game from Blackman, similar to the first half, or first good part of the game against Clemson. Where and and even the end, like I it, think I think there'd be have to even be a bigger meltdown in terms of he's bad and then he he throws a couple picks or something. Well, like a pick six or yeah. a pick six, like a forced fumble pick six, like a forced fumble return for touchdown, like just that kind of stuff. Like I think could potentially put Florida State in a hole late or something like that where where you seem to have the game in check and then you fumble the snap or something like that. It's just, I feel like that's the only way Florida State loses this game. I think it's telling that FSU is currently a five and a half point favorite in the swamp with a three or four and six record or whatever. I think it's telling how bad Florida is this year. Um, Just for the casual fan who might not be all that familiar with Florida, they don't, they're the same as every other team except now their defense is bad too, which means the only, thing they have going for them is the punter and the kicker they have no offense the defense they lost all their talent to the nfl over the last couple of years all of Muschamp's recruits are gone so now the defensive line is decent the linebackers are young and like pretty pretty poor i've seen yeah they've you know if you've watched florida games they're and kind of pretty bad and pretty bad in coverage yeah pretty bad in coverage and pretty bad at run fits if they pick the right hole, they can be good, uh, but pretty pretty bad uh, there. They have two freshman corners and a senior nickel corner. Um, the freshmen have been pretty good this season overall, but still 
hard like hard to ask them to cover guys like Auden Tate and Nyquan Murray. Um, they're not perfect. And then the safety play has been pretty bad uh, with Chauncey Gardner and Nick Washington, who's out now. And I think they're having freshmen step up like Brad Stewart and Sean oh, Sean Davis. So the defense isn't good. Um, their run defense, as Ethan is about to talk to has been, or talk about, has been horrible all season. They've been torched by everybody from I don't know Missouri. Like every single running back has gotten off against them. Which, if you're Florida State, is encouraging because your best player happens to play running back. So you got to think. You got to like where you stand. The only thing I am worried about as a if I'm a Florida State fan is you just can't have a meltdown game from Blackman. You just can't. That's the only way you lose this. And if I think Jimbo's probably going to call it pretty conservatively because of that. Yeah, it's going to be. I think that's an interesting point. I, I really don't know how Jimbo's going to approach this game. Um, it's not like the Clemson game where you pretty clearly have nothing to lose. So I, I don't know if he, he kind of goes out. I, I think it'd be nice to actually see him maybe try – if the offense does struggle, try something, you know, like a trick play like he did against Clemson. Um, because, you know, th- those kind of things can go wrong. But um, I don't know. I just think if, he, if they do struggle, it would be nice to see him kind of kind of try and, and do something to get the offense going like that. I, I, I really kind of, um, I guess, admired him for that, that call against Clemson. I thought it was a real gutsy call, and it worked. Pretty, It was, it was executed pretty gorgeously. You only admired him because it worked, Ethan. Come on, we know this works. No, uh, no, no, absolutely not. Not in that scenario. I, I said it all week leading up to that game. He needed to do something like that to have a chance in that game. And ultimately, it mm-hmm. did give them a chance. So. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, do you ready? are you ready to give a score prediction? Yeah, we can We can get into that. Um, I, I, I think Low I'm, scoring, right? Yeah, I think it's going to be low scoring. I think I think I'll go something like seventeen thirteen, Florida State. Okay, I'll go twenty to sixteen, Florida State. Twenty to sixteen. Sorry, that's like two so similar to yours, but I don't think I think it's a pretty. I see. I see. Yeah. FSU getting two touchdowns, two field goals. Florida getting one touchdown, three field goals. That's how it's going to go. Got you. Uh, that's something. That's another thing too. Is is Florida. I really do you see a, do you see any any? I, I'd like to talk about this because I'd like to see next week on the podcast if we are wrong. Do you see any way it's high scoring? If uh, I just can't even see a way. I I I I don't see it. I guess it could get higher scoring if you if you have a couple busted coverages from from Florida or from Florida State which they are you know uh, susceptible to and maybe Frank said it's a couple deep balls and then on the other side of that maybe Florida really just cannot stop Cam Akers and, and it kind of allows Florida State to to run the ball pretty easily and, and then, and then they're able turn to get, well. yeah they're able to get stuff off the play action. I do think Florida State will be able to run the ball like the FSU's offensive line is I mean people have like like to criticize it but Florida State's defensive front is not that good, and FSU's offensive line ha- has blocked well. And get, like, remember Miami, for example, the first half against Miami, 
Florida State had their way with that that front, and that's a lot better front than Florida's. No, for sure. I think yeah, uh, they should be able to run the ball at least at least some. Um, albeit there are there have been some injuries on the offensive line. Um, but no, yeah, I, I, if they can run the ball, they should win this game. That's to me, that's the biggest thing. But that yep, being I said, agree. I think Florida will load the box and try and make James Blackman beat them. Yeah, which is tough, tough to do for if you're Florida State. But uh, okay, so I think I'm I'm excited to reflect on our scores, um, and hopefully we can recap a Florida State fifth consecutive victory over the Gators next uh, week. So until then, um, I'll be in the I'll be in Gainesville at the game. Ethan will be in Gainesville at the game. If you guys want to reach out to us on Twitter or whatever, and we can maybe meet up and say what's up. That works. But uh, until then, we'll talk to you guys next week. Yes, sir. Um, make sure if y'all enjoy this podcast, go ahead and drop us a five-star review on your uh, preferred method of listening or preferred uh, podcast provider. So uh, other than that, it's been great uh, doing this this week, and uh, we'll sign off again for this la- this episode of Hear the Spear. Also, I think it's worth noting that uh, my Twitter handle, other than our at Hear the Spear, my Twitter handle is at Ryan Stalder 12 Stalder is S-T-A-L-D-E-R. And then Ethan is at Ethan7NG. NG stands for no game day. So at Ethan7NG. And then mine's at Ryan Stalder 12 If you guys want to ever converse with us or ask us some questions or anything like that, that works. But uh, all right, we'll talk to you guys next week.